This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm joined by the usual co-host, David Hughes. How are you, mate? Fit and healthy or? <laughs> for now, mate. Yeah, for yeah, now. Tell uh, me about it. Yeah, don't know about the next couple of days. I know, well, this podcast is probably up in the air as well. Yeah, yeah no, it is. You know what's going to happen, I suppose, do you? It is going to be a strange few weeks. Um, and yeah, we're, we're probably going to have to do it more via Skype or something. Yeah, maybe, yeah. We'll see how we go. Um, those that tune in via video on YouTube mm. um, might have to do without our faces for a few weeks. Um, and speaking of strange few weeks, mm. uh, Liverpool sadly exited the Champions League, which we will have to address, of course. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Bournemouth, but I appreciate that most listeners probably won't be too bothered by it. Yeah. Uh, and we'll look ahead to the Merseyside derby, which obviously it helps that we're, we're a, blue, a blue in the uh, the co-host seat. Are we feeling about that, by the way? Um, a little bit not- it, you know what? It's really hard to think about the game, actually. Uh, I know we will talk about it, but just with everything that's going on, you have no idea what circumstances it's going to be played under, if it's going to be played, or, you know, by the time this comes out, because it's changing every 10 minutes, isn't it, at the moment? We don't know if there's going to be any fans in attendance. I think that's going to be huge. If Put this way, if there's no fans in the ground, no home advantage, I expect a comfortable win for Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, we... we so do I, but we, we, I suppose we can get to that. Yeah, yeah, we will. Uh, yeah. But we'll start off later. anyway with, with the, the relatively easy one to cover, uh, and that's Bournemouth. Um, I must say it was trickier than we expected. Mm, yeah. These are often a comfortable opponent for us. We usually get through them fairly easily, very rarely concede, and we usually score about three or four in the process. But this one was a little bit tighter, um, and Liverpool... Was you at the game? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liverpool actually on the day, which I said to you before, at least according to our provider, um, lost the expected goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, one point two for Liverpool and one point three for Bournemouth, which basically captures a draw. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if that's how I felt in the ground. It still felt like <coughs> Liverpool were the better side, um, comfortably. You know. If I'm just forgetting the numbers for a minute, if I'm just talking about watching the game and what I remember, it felt like Bournemouth had two big chances. One was converted, obviously, in the first half, and the second one is cleared off the line by Milner. Um, either side of that, and bear in mind, the game was, what, like five days ago, and there's been a big game since then, but it didn't feel like they had a ton more chances. I said, this is just going off memory, though. Yeah. They'll touch on the data. Yeah. I mean, it's worth noting that the the chance off the line, I think that's one of the reasons there'll be a little bit of variation between different expected gold models is because I think that that shot came from outside the box, but it came from outside the box towards an open goal. Mm. Um, it depends on the quality of the model, whether that model will consider the position of the goalkeeper or not, basically. Yeah, shot trajectory and yeah. things like that. Yeah, but um, the provider that we use tends to be quite good with that. So um, I would actually go along with the expected goals that's been created. Um, having said that, Liverpool did have 14 shots. <clears throat> Bournemouth only had six. So you'd expect Liverpool to dominate the XG based on that, but th- I think that just captures that. Liverpool had 14 shots, not really many clear cuts. Mm. Bournemouth had six, but I'd just say two of them at least were, you know, not... 
Not you'd expect to score us, but, but big chances, high quality chances. Yeah, yeah. big chances. Yeah, um, and the, you know, the, on another day, if Milner doesn't get back there in time, you may be looking at a two-all draw. Um, of course, that can be countered by what we'll probably t- touch on shortly: the fact that the first could have been quite easily being ruled out as well, couldn't it? Yeah, um, it could have. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was an absolute definite foul. See, I, I wasn't sure, and then when I watched it back. If he kind of does that motion with his, his shoulder, then he probably gets away with it. But he uses his arms, and for me, that that's just it's a foul. It should have been yeah. a foul. Yeah, um, for me, it was definitely a foul. I couldn't believe that it wasn't given. <clears throat> I think we've learned since as well that I'm not even sure it was looked at. I think the referee in the ground was um, adamant that it was a goal. Adamant that it wasn't a foul. Yeah, um, mm. which I think is really ignorant. Yeah, I said to you at it though, didn't I? That I think they worked it well after that. It was actually a good little goal that they scored, but it shouldn't have really um, progressed to that point. No, no. I mean, we, we would always say that, like, you know, it's it's on you to prevent the goal regardless yeah. of relying, relying on the referee or not. But I think it was it was a situation where Bournemouth gained a lot mm. from the foul. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a situation that Joe Gomez was in charge of until he was pushed, so it doesn't really sit right, right with me, that one. Yeah. <clears throat> um. 75% possession for Liverpool, uh, six shots on target to Bournemouth's four, and Liverpool eventually punished Bournemouth through two mistakes, really. Yeah, I was I was torn with these, actually. <coughs> Twofold, really, I thought. Um, firstly, we focus on the mistake aspect. The substitute Simpson who comes on, he looked well off it for me. He looked miles off the pace, because it did still feel like quite a <coughs> frantic game that he come into, you know, um, for both sides. It was competitive. Uh, and he looked miles off. Of, he looked a little bit um, overwhelmed by it all. And to, to come out and try and dribble past Sadio Mane on your, <laughs> on, in, within your defensive line is suicide. I, I think you can, I think defenders can get away with like a, you know, a shimmy of some kind just to create space to clear the ball. But when he had a long ball option on him, I tried to dribble past Mane when you've just only been on the pitch for maybe 10 minutes, if that, it was uh, it was suicide. But then... It stemmed from his poor first touch, didn't it? His first touch was all... Yeah, it wasn't great. Because um, obviously he's, he, he could be blamed at some fault for his decision-making for the second. But the point I was going to try to make was, you know, how much do we attribute that to mistakes, but then also praise Liverpool for, you know, the pressing right, in terms of trying to win the ball back and putting this pressure on. It's what they do best, isn't it? And... Um, and obviously, it's it's led to mistakes and goals. Yeah, I mean, did did you catch matches today on on the night? No, I didn't. Can, no. Well, he's actually a left-footed centre back, left-sided as well. Oh, he played Nathan Aki right. is left-sided too. Oh, okay. So it was it was two left-sided centre backs on the day when he came on, and Simpson got put on the right, which was out of his comfort zone. Mm. At Anfield. Yeah, I think that, you know that's them. That's them from here. Uh, Go on. I was going to say, I didn't, That's want to, really. yeah, I didn't want to cut you off there, but that would explain maybe why he doesn't go hit it a big up and over with his right and he tries to cut in, dribble past onto his left. And maybe, you know, if he had the, the ball on his left, he probably would have played it long. Um, yeah. But Liverpool give, give him no time to settle and force the mistake. Yeah, it was why, why he was really awkward in possession and things like that, mm. didn't have his angles right. I feel a bit bad now because I give him a little bit of down the banks in the... <laughs> At half time, saying uh, he looked well off it, but I think he's only young. No, as well, I, I isn't do. He? I do think. Yeah, I think he's about twenty three, maybe or mm. something like that. 
there was a debate on 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 match today actually as to whether maybe Eddie Howe oh, Monday Night Football I think it might have been actually whether Eddie Howe should have with Nathan Aki being the more experienced mm. put Nathan Aki on the right side yeah let him be out of his comfort zone and put Simpson on the left but he obviously yeah. didn't well, that's probably fair that actually mm. um, and Liverpool's second was you know similar I think um, Virgil van Dijk playing through pass after the ball was lost again by Simpson I think so I think Simpson <coughs> plays a, a crap ball um, through the middle when he shouldn't it was a bad um, on the on the ball decision, and the it goes to someone. I'm, I feel I want. I feel like it might seem Fraser, maybe. I think it's Fraser who loses the ball, but you can see he gets frustrated because he's he, he kind of lifts his arms and what? Why am I getting the pass there? It's ridiculous. Uh, and then yeah, Van Van Dyke so quick and puts that ball through for Mane to. It, just you know when Mane was run through on goal, did at any point you think she's gonna miss this? I didn't know, but having said that, I do think he's a little bit off it. Do you? Likely, yeah. I, I, was, I just knew he was going to score, you know. I, I no, just, I was confident he was going to score. He's like, one yeah. of those players. But yeah. um, interesting, yeah. Good finish. It was, yeah. A um, little bit of an uncomfortable game, I suppose. I think it followed the theme of, um, well, we, we conceded first again. Yeah, you flagged that is, last week, didn't you? Yeah, it's something we've mentioned a few times now. Liverpool need to stop conceding first, and we did it again against Bournemouth, and from then on, it was an uphill task. Managed to get through it. Um, but going into the Atletico game, it probably wasn't... Not ideal preparation, I suppose, because it wasn't a comfortable win and, and things like that, so... Just working out there, nine of Liverpool's league games this season now have finished 2-1. Yeah, this is that's a third of the old Premier League games, roughly, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how many we've actually won by a one goal margin. I think it's quite a I've, few. I've got it here now. We've got um, four, uh, five, ten, thirteen. Should have done this before we come on. <laughs> Both, I think it's around thirteen. That's just a first glance, which is that's like half. Yeah, interesting. Half the wins. Hmm. Um. So we'll move on anyway, we'll put that we'll put that one on the back seat now. Um three points. But I've had to go Madrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I've just finished crying five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> um Is this another opportunity though to maybe flag to all the people that was giving a stick about saying it was a tough draw <laughs> that it was yeah, a tough I draw? Um Analyze Nanfield listeners should get a bit of confidence out of this, I think, because I think we got this one spot on, to be honest. Mm. Uh, definitely a 180-minute tie. Yeah. Went into extra time where anything can happen. Anything did happen. Mm. Um, all that sort of stuff. Low block, I don't think they, were, they weren't the team to collapse like we, like many thought they might have at Anfield. Could deal with that intensity. And mm. It was the matchup that we that we projected, but that was a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but having said that, I must say that I think, I mean, we're recording today the morning after, so yeah. it still feels very fresh, but I must say I thought Liverpool were brilliant. Yeah. I thought Liverpool were absolutely as good as you can possibly be against this Atletico team. I think in truth, they, they just lacked a little bit of fortune on the night. You know, um, the, 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 the goals just weren't going in for them. That sounds so basic, but if you think that Robertson one where it's the bar, you know, a couple of centimetres below and that, that goes in. And there was so many of them on the night. Keeper was fantastic as well for uh, Atletico. Um, 
And yeah, it was just, I, I think Liverpool were just a little bit unfortunate, we're being brutally honest, because they, they were by far the best team and something that they've struggled to do post-winter break is they created more than enough chances to go and win the game. And yeah. Good chances at that. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a dominant performance. And if you actually look at these numbers now, what I was going to say then, obviously these numbers are including extra time. But if I was to say to you, before the game, mm. today Liverpool will post an XG of 2.8. Atletico will post 1.0. Mm. Liverpool will see 71% of the ball. And Liverpool will take 34 shots to 10, with 11 being on target to 6. Would you expect... What would you expect from that? You'd be looking maybe, what, 3-0, you know, something more. In fact, has anyone looked at what last season's, uh, that 4-0 against Barcelona was, in terms of... Probably lower than that. Yeah, <laughs> li- obviously this is a different provider, So, but it, normally the narrative fits. It was uh, Liverpool 4-0 against Barcelona at home, XG was 2.7 to 1.0. Oh yeah, it's virtually identical. Yeah, virtually identical, and that game finished 4-0. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm. Um, but if you look at those numbers, you know, performance in the cases there, <clears throat> they do capture Liverpool being just a superior team in the night, deserving to go through. Um, but, you know, it just it just didn't happen. And mm. I had no doubts over the course of the two legs that we would be the better team and we'd be the more proactive, the more offensive. But I just I just knew that Atletico would, would capitalise on a set-piece or a mistake, or a refereeing decision, penalty, you know, whatever it may be. Mm. Um, and we conceded twice over the course of two legs and 20 minutes, maybe. Mm. One was a set piece in the very first minute of the first leg. Mm. Um, that bounced off Fabinho's chin, I think. Yeah. And the second one was obviously the mistake that we'll get to. So yeah. just really frustrating that you can be perfect for such a long period. But uh, you can still go out. That's why they're, they're so good. What, what I was really impressed with with, with them was um, after they conceded, it didn't feel like the game plan went out the window. And the best way, the best sorry example of that was time wasting. You know, they were still kind of happy to run the clock down when it was when it was one nil on the night, and it just kind of felt like the, there was no panic there whatsoever. You know, there was it. It, it, it the team just taking the stride. It was like they basically said, look. We're probably not going to keep a clean sheet over there, but this is going to be our game plan throughout the night. Mm. Um, and I think that's why they managed to kind of come on strong a little bit later on in the game. Yeah. <clears throat> um, in terms of why we think Liverpool performed so well, uh, I think we got the tactics right on the night. Um, obviously, if you're coming up against a 4 4 2, Atletico's midfield bank of four and defensive bank of four are virtually. Inseparable. Um, the spaces that Firmino usually drops into, there was none of that. It doesn't exist. Hence why Firmino was a little bit, lacked a little bit of impact over the course of the two legs, I think. But mm. I think that stemmed from Atletico. Um, so if you're facing that system, obviously out wide, they've got a midfielder and a fullback. And on the opposite flank, they've got a midfielder and a fullback. Liverpool basically created overloads out there. Mm. Trent got forward. Chamberlain got forward but out wide and Salah stayed out wide and you've got you, you had them three basically working as a trident mm. overloading the full back and the midfielder so you had a constant 3v2 out wide yeah um, I haven't actually checked the crossing numbers I'll do that now but I know we put in 
an awful lot. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was just, uh, it was the, it was how you needed to attack this team. It was how you attack a physical. <coughs> yeah. Although, <coughs> I agree totally. But I also <laughs> think um, Atletico are quite happy for that. The way their system sets up in terms of sitting deep, uh, limiting the space through the middle, uh, you know, in between the lines, it, it feels to me like the almost, the best term I could use is they, they create like a funnel where they push it out wide because they know teams will have to go there uh, and try and put crosses into the box and they possess aerial dominant players. But um, So they're quite happy to see that happen. That being said, I agree that Liverpool worked it very well. And if you think about the goals, they both come from crosses outside. Yeah, exactly. Someone said something on Twitter that like, you know, it was a bit of a basic approach from Liverpool to just pelt so many crosses into the mm. box. Um, but I said to him it worked though. Yeah, because both of our goals derived from, yeah, yeah. from crosses. Mm. Um, but I have just looked at the crossing numbers. Do you have a guess? Or? Well, I, 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 I can't do it impartially, or because I think I did see them. Oh, did you? Yeah, upwards of fifty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Liverpool's average for the season in terms of crossing crosses attempted is twenty one point two. Liverpool hit fifty two. <laughs> yeah, That's the, double. Yeah. So, this is why I think it's a mixture of um, Liverpool choosing to attack this way because they've got uh, really good crosses of the ball out wide but also Atletico being quite happy for that it seems like both teams are quite happy to, for the, those to deal with those forms of attack um, but I do agree it, re- it led to two goals um, you know where I think that narrative come from it, it, that Liverpool continue to do so late in the game and people were kind of, uh, it feels like people were expecting them to pull a rabbit out the hat and do something a little bit different, but you can't. Yeah, it's hard against this team. You know, yeah, this, I mean, this is what the bred for. This is how they, um, they defend so well. Yeah, I mean, I should say that that's that's fifty-two. Sorry, after extra time, <coughs> so that obviously comes into it. Just looking at other games here, Liverpool haven't attempted more than thirty in very many games at all. Uh, we did it against Arsenal earlier in the season. Mm. At Anfield, we did it against Newcastle at Anfield, but notably as well, we did it against Napoli away, a game that we struggled in, <clears throat> and we did it against Villa away, mm. which we finally came back to win two one. Yeah. So, I do think crossing from these top teams maybe is a bit of a a sign that they're struggling to mm. break through, but I do think in this case it was intentional. Well, yeah, I agree totally. And think about, th- think about this as well. And Atletico have around an XG for the league campaign of 22-23 so far this season. Um, so that works out at less than 1.0 game, isn't it? I can't, I've got, I can't, can't, can't do the maths in here, but it's... I'll have a look now. Surely can't be that low. Point, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure there is. Double check it now. So I'll just, while you're checking it, I'll just... <laughs> Fill the time on the mic, but I think it's about one point one. Yeah, hang on. So, Atletico's XG paying ninety. Oh, that's that's total. <laughs> Go on, yeah, but what's the total? The total is thirty six point six. XG against. Oh, XG against. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, oh, let me yeah, start okay. again. Yeah, XG against. Sorry. Oh yeah, you're right there. Yeah. yeah so XG against is around what? What is it? Twenty one point five. So twenty one point five. So that's a lot less than. Um, one, I wish I could work it out in my head. 27 games, so yeah. do it now. Sorry about the maths on this show. <laughs> yeah, but this is why we rely so heavily on computers. 
Um, divided by 27. So that's 0.79 So their XG then, against, on average, is 0.79. And Liverpool created what against them? Including extra time, 2.8. You know, it, it show, that shows that Liverpool created good quality chances against the side that normally allow very little. Yeah. So you can't argue that it didn't it didn't work. Um, as I said, I think people were just a little bit frustrated that they couldn't find something different late on, but it's hard. You know, it's hard to do, do that against this team. Yeah, I mean, in terms of that little attack and sliding that I t- spoke about on the right side particularly, um, I think that stems from, well, that sorry, that goes back to a point that I made a few weeks ago, I think, when I was talking about Liverpool and signing dangerous players, mm-hmm. having dangerous players all over the pitch who are attacking threats. Because mm-hmm. if you're coming up against Salah, Ox and Trent, who do you leave unattended? Yeah. Because each one sword, of them is dangerous, it? yeah. It's the double jeopardy thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Thought Ox played well actually last night. I, I meant to say that actually, I thought Ox was brilliant. Yeah, they, proper sense of midfielder performance. Yeah, really like a threat <coughs> driving with the ball, and he looked a threat on the edge of the box as well. He had a few shots which are right, he didn't come off, but even when when defenders start knowing that you're willing to take these shots on, these start feeling more pressure. Don't need to close the, close the player down, which then creates spaces elsewhere. So he was a good player yesterday. Yeah, I think when he plays like that. He reminds me a little bit, only a little bit, <laughs> of Gerard, mm. because I think Gerard in his day was a force, mm. just a gem, just a force that you just couldn't cope with, yeah. just his, his run on power and just things like that. Um, and I think Ox, when he gets in that rhythm, is is hard to stop. He's yeah. so powerful but quick as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think Ox was brilliant on the day. Yeah, uh, probably the best performance I've seen him give since our Champions League run. Up until he got injured with the uh, against that, Roma, like City levels, you think maybe? Yeah, up there with yeah. City levels. I know yeah. we didn't get the goal last night, but uh, yeah, he was up there. Um, but mm. the big, uh, the big moments. Now I'm gonna be brutal here. Um, we usually go in to you know we try to go into extensive detail on the show as to why certain things happened and all this stuff and get to the bottom of things now. Um, but I feel comfortable saying that Liverpool are out of the Champions League because of one player. <laughs> it, it's all Adrian's fault, mm. and I feel terrible saying that, but it's true. I can't get I can't get past it. <coughs> we are out because of one player. Mm. The performance was perfect. We finally managed to get you get the two goals. Yeah, Everton under control, and he goes and well, what I mean, what does yeah. he even do? Yeah, <laughs> am, I to, it am, up, am I to ask there? No, no, well. <laughs> Look, I've got a confession, and um, this is the only time I get to admit it. I couldn't say it early in the season on the show because, I'm, you know, I don't want, I don't want. Uh, he was a bit of a poster boy, and I don't want any abuse or anything. But I do not rate Adrian at all. Do not rate him. Don't particularly like him. Um, so I, I haven't. What I don't really rate him either. No, I'll get, I'll get to that. But I, um, I, I look back at last night. I think yeah, it's it's on him. You know, it's it it. That that ball's terrible, and the, he he doesn't even rectify it with the save. You know, it's it's when the shot comes in, it's still a savable shot. And yeah. I, I, all right, so he slips or whatever, but you've got to be doing better at this level. He should, and Liverpool have been put in a position where they've had to rely on him because of injuries, but he should be nowhere near this, this level at all. He's, he's not good enough. And he's been no. found out a couple of times now, and that he's, he's he's arguably cost. He, he, 
I don't want to. I feel I'm going really bad, but while we're on the subject, if you think about Chelsea and this game, he's arguably put Liverpool out of. I know there's other variable factors, but he's put them out of two competitions. You yeah. go from pursuing a potential treble to being left with the Premier League. Yeah, which obviously isn't a isn't a bad prize, but it's frustrating from where, where we were talking about where they were like four weeks ago as a side compared to now. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. I agree with everything you just said. Um, there was a moment earlier in the match when I think it was Joe Felix took a shot from outside the box mm. and he it wasn't a particularly strong shot and he fumbled it into the path of Saul, I think it was. Oh, yeah. And he recovered, he made the save, fair enough. But that fumble, the parry that he did, just epitomised that he was nervous, basically. Yeah. Um, he wasn't didn't, didn't have a level head, and when it actually came to the moment that he makes the mistake and he gives the ball away, I think it's Andy Robertson on the left is in acres of space. Mm. Just put your foot on the ball and give it to him, but he tries to put his foot through the ball. Mm. It drives along the floor, and as you say, he doesn't even rectify it with a save. Mm. It, it's just it's a pathetic sequence of play where he gives the ball away and he doesn't have to, and he's not even under pressure, and then he can see without even getting a hand. On mm. it, um, and it's, it's just incredibly frustrating because I've witnessed my club basically suffer from bad goalkeeping too much in the past decade. Mm. Carius, Mignolet, uh, which we will get to, and obviously Allison is out for the big game. And I don't think it's a coincidence, by the way, that Liverpool only started to secure trophies on the club once Allison was introduced. Mm. Yeah. Um, Despite the performance levels throughout his tenure yeah. being good, hmm. the results come when you've got a keeper. Yeah, I agree. You know, what What else happens as well in terms of the psychological impact for defenders when they know they've got a goalkeeper like that behind them? It, it completely changes everything, I think. I think it makes well, you, It changes the fans' perspective as well. Yeah, it, it makes it, it adds nerves to the whole environment, doesn't it? It adds nerves to the defence and uh, the fans as well don't feel easy with them. And yeah, it feels like he's suddenly susceptible to more mistakes at the back. Um, yeah, he's, he's it's been frustrating actually from a Liverpool point of view to have him in, in goal because he's not, he's just not up to standard, sadly. Yeah, I mean, a few people are quick to point on apparently earlier in the season he did really well. I'm not sure on that. No, I'm not. Um, and I've questioned that on this pod as well. <clears throat> um, so, in all of his Premier League games for Liverpool, I think he's played 11. He's conceded in all but two of them. Hmm. Um, faced 28 shots on target in the Premier League. This is conceded 10. Allison, for perspective, obviously a different level keeper, but Allison, for perspective, has conceded 11 from 56 shots on target. So that's 30, 28. That's double. Hmm. Double the amount of shots on target faced to, compared to Adrian, but just one more goal conceded. Hmm. Um and he's been prone to the odd random thing that a keeper doesn't have to do. It's it's kind of the type of thing that a keeper would do if he's bored. I remember saying that a couple of months ago. Um, just doesn't fill me with confidence and stuff. And He doesn't feel agile to me, you know. He feels very slow. Well, that, I suppose that stems from his age. I think he is getting on now. How old is he? 34. Yeah, but is that? I feel like that is still not a, a, a terrible age for the. I know what you mean. though. he comes across quite rigid. Yeah, like quite I, stiff. I think about a thirty-three. I think about that. Um, 
that Brighton goal from the free kick, dunk. I know that all happened very quick. He wasn't prepared. Yeah, but yeah. It was just you know very slow getting over the line and just just on the. I, I, I had a little look myself. I wasn't sure what numbers you, you you'd covered on it, but I just wanted to get a feel of what he's been like over over recent history. Um, and I had a look at his um, post shot expected goals against from this season and his last kind of season that he played, which I think was not last season, the season before where he was actually regularly mm. playing West Ham. Yeah, and um, it, it it was his post shots expected goals against was a total of thirty five point seven, and he conceded thirty nine goals. And you might initially look at that and think, well, it's, it's not that bad. It's only what an extra four or five goals he conceded. But we're talking about Liverpool here, you know, mm-hmm. like we're talking about a top side, and he's he's a below average keeper on those numbers. So he's not average; he's below average on those numbers. Yeah, like that's alarm bells and th- th- when you've got a below average keeper in a position as valuable as in between the sticks then it normally leads to errors that lead to goals yeah I mean I must say I don't think Liverpool will have anticipated him playing anywhere in no, the amount of minutes he has in their head he might never even play this season yeah hmm. but having said that that's too I'm not exactly sure what's wrong with him at the minute but that's too Muscle injuries, I think, that Allison suffered in the same season. Mm. If you're going down the route of picking something up every now and then, maybe you have to improve your second choice. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up, yeah. Because also, how I'm not saying this now, I'm just talking about the future, okay? At what point would you start being like, he's getting injured too? It's because something that's really appealing about the very elite players is not only that they got the talent, but they're also always fit. Van Dyke, for mm. example. Yeah. Van Dyke's never injured, is he? Obviously, no. Touchwood not wishing nothing upon him. But, um, you know, does that start becoming a bit of a, something that puts you off a player if, if Alisson does start picking up these niggles? Especially in goal. I don't goal. think it would put me off him. But I think if we get to this point next season and he's maybe had another two injuries, mm. and when I say injuries, I don't really mean hamstring. I mean, like, like the one against Norwich in the first day of the campaign was non-contact. Mm. Um, if he's going down that route, I'd, I'd by no means ever would replace him, no chance, mm. but just in terms of upgrading your second choice to someone yeah. who's a bit more capable. Fair point, Um But I have a theory anyway, I have a, th- I have a theory that as good as your performance can be, which is the, which the coach is responsible for, as, as, as good as your performance can be, if you don't have a goalkeeper, and when I say a goalkeeper, obviously everyone's got a goalkeeper, I mean, a, no, a, yeah. if you don't have a decent goalkeeper, your results will remain, will always remain relatively in the balance. Mm. Um, and I've got a few examples of that. So, firstly, 17-18, 2017-18 campaign, Liverpool finished fourth in the Premier League. Uh, United finished second. Liverpool, according to expected goals, were 18 goals better. And Liverpool, according to expected goals against, were nine goals better. So according to performance levels on the pitch, Liverpool were a better side than United. Mm. Liverpool had Mignolet in goal, I think, that season. United had Prime De Gea. Liverpool ended up scraping a Champions League spot, mm. fourth place. Mm. United finished second mm. uh, under Mourinho. And I think a lot of that difference was made, despite Liverpool being the better team, more often than United were. United had them difference makers at the mm. business end of the pitch in goal Liverpool didn't mm. um, another example I'll use from this season we obviously write a, 
about Chelsea every now and then. Mm. Kepa. Um, I think this season, yeah, he's, Chelsea have conceded in total eight goals more. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, than he should have. Um, despite being very good in terms of the performance levels. Mm. For me, the probably the best, the third best team in the league. Yeah. But because Kepa has let in more than he should have, they don't get the results that the performances always deserve. And this is what happens when you... I know you've got an example as well, haven't you? Uh, have I? <laughs> well, Jordan Pickford. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I try not to mention his name anymore. I can be a little bit more honest on this part. He's, he's irritating. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about him in the next section, I suppose. Yeah. Um, um, one thing I do want to add, though, just to add to your point, is what... It's, it's kind of widely regarded in the analytical community that a goal roughly uh, works out to value around one point in the league. Um, if you look at last season, there was 1,072 league goals and there was 1,069 points. This season, there's 792 points and 784 goals scored. So theoretically, Chelsea are maybe eight points worse than what they would have been if they had a better goalkeeper in place and it kind of reiterates the point that you make that maybe if in that season Liverpool had an elite goalkeeper if they say if they had the hair you know would they have been easily second best side in the table comfortably for me yeah yeah so it's uh, it's worth noting that yeah it's just a, a very frustrating thing and just if we're going to talk about Pickford and what I will say is <laughs> he's a uh, I think he's conceded around six more goals than he should have this season. And he's, he's saying, I think he's maybe the second worst goalkeeper performance wise in the division at the moment. Yeah, ahead of uh, Kepper. Kepper. Yeah. Kepper's bottom of the league for that, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that, that that's that for me is the, the overwhelming problem. I remember saying earlier in the season when Allison got injured, I remember saying that <clears throat> Liverpool's performance levels should generally remain the same. And Liverpool should generally remain very, very good. But what Adrian's presence might do in comparison to Allison's is impact results. Um, it didn't really, but it has inarguably the biggest game of the season hmm. against Atletico. Performed superbly for the whole, for the whole, um, certainly the second leg. Um, but an absolute calamitous half an hour period for him. Even the second goal is pathetic. Mm. Outside the box, conceding from outside the box, not even getting a hand on it. Mm. Uh, the third goal, again, getting done at your near post. Yeah, it, it was just embarrassing. And I know it all happens so quick, mm. and we're not, we're you know, we're not, we're not keepers. We've never played at that level, and we don't particularly do beyond numbers. We don't do much analysis, I guess. But it seems to me like <clears throat> he's rooted to a six-yard box when a player is running one-on-one. Like, why is he not? Because if you actually look at the um, the still of when he hits that. He's, he's, he's in around the six-yard line and that he's made that run. Morata's made that run probably halfway in the Liverpool box. Like, come out and close the angle a little bit, put the pressure on, because that's what Alisson does. I think of that um, Jared Bowen chance. Was it yeah, Bowen yeah. at West Ham? I think so. Yeah, he closes the gap really well, but obviously... Yeah, there's, certain, there's certain goalkeepers that own the six-yard box, own the 18-yard mm. box, and own the defensive third yeah. almost. I think he's a six-yard box keeper, maybe, <laughs> maybe a penalty box keeper. Mm. Um, but just just one last point to think on on the Atletico game. Um, would you say it was a a Simeone masterclass? 
Um, I saw mixed views on this one. So, I think... <laughs> I think they did very well in limiting the what it turned out to be in terms of Liverpool's chances created. I think against another opponent, it could have been a lot more. So, I think they did defend well. I thought the keeper played well. Um, do I think it was a masterclass? It's hard because if you look at if you look at the game over 180 minutes and plus whatever, for example, the first leg I thought well, definitely was you know yeah. really limited. Liverpool didn't have shots on target, did they? No. Yeah. So I'm feeling that I think was a little bit more uh, some luck in there as well. Yeah. Is I, that an answer? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I know what you're saying. I I actually think um, it it wasn't a masterclass, but at the same time, I think it kind of was as well. Yeah, uh, because I, I don't think any other team in Europe could have done what they did mm. in terms of soaking such pressure and dealing with it and only conceding once in yeah. 90 minutes. Mm. We were really pounding the door yeah. and they um, just dealt with cross after cross after cross mm. and and things like that and they didn't cave in like a lot of teams would. They snatched a result in the end albeit through a an unforced error from a Liverpool perspective. Yeah. Um, but I, I, as I said, I don't think any other team in Europe could have done that to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, very frustrating. Hopefully the Champions League gets cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll move on anyway. We'll leave that one. Uh, we'll leave that one now. Hopefully we come back stronger next season to that. Um, do you think we were too harsh on Eddie in there? Or? <laughs> uh, as I said, I'm a little bit biased. So I'm, I'm not a big fan of him. I think at best he's okay. Mm. And he, he's not, you know, certainly not higher than that for me. No. Um, but this was a, this was a shock of this. Yeah. Anyways, move ahead to Everton. Um, fourth in the table since Carlo Ancelotti took, o- took over. Yeah. Uh, impressively second in the table for expected goals mm. Mm. behind only Liverpool. Attack has improved definitely. Yeah, and at the expense of something else, of course. But we'll come, we'll come on to that. <laughs> Sixth for expect goals against, <clears throat> uh, and you mentioned there that the attacks improved. Mm. Uh, why is it improved? Mm. Uh, um, it just seems to be a lot more co- cohesion. Um, you know, they, they seem to be um, very playing very a lot faster on the break. You know, vertical passing rather than trying to install this kind of. Um, control philosophy in, in possession seems to just be a lot more direct and trying to get the ball up to the opposition's, opposition's penalty box as soon as possible and trying to get a shot off on goal um, and they, they have you know some people might laugh when they listen to this but it, it is true they have two really good exciting young forward players as well in uh, Calvert-Lewin and Richardson yeah I rate the pair them very very highly actually yeah. I think they've drifted under the radar for some but they are good good players yeah I was thinking to myself the other day that the, the both appear them at 22. Yeah. Both very, very physical, but both very, very fast as well. Mm. Um, they're a nightmare then yeah. from an opposition defensive perspective. Yeah. I think they're, they're one of the few parents that I think will give Van Dijk and Gomez a proper game. Yeah, I'd agree, actually. Um, but yeah, as you say, they don't, they don't really tend to sustain pressure. Or build very slowly or anything like that. They tend to um, attack very quickly, vertical passes, things like that. Um, I actually checked that before. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, Dave, but since Angelotti's came in, there's a metric that I have a look at every now and then called um, passes completed within an estimated 20 yards of goal. 
And since Ancelotti came in, Everton are actually uh, 2019, 17th. Yeah. But you would say that, sometimes you'd say that's bad. Hmm. But you'd, I I would be inclined to say that that's deliberate. Yeah. Because the, the team that are 7th, um, the team that are 18th are Wolves. Yeah. And we've compared, have, have we compared? Yeah, no, yeah, we did, yeah, basically, because... On the Everton pod? Yeah, that was it, yeah, we spoke about it on there, and I covered something on it recently in a piece, but yeah, it's 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 very much, you know, we, we know Wolves, and don't we, that they, they sit back, tend to absorb pressure, and then hit sides on the counter, mm. and get shots off quite quick in the penalty area, and that's kind of what Everton are doing, Everton used to press pretty aggressively, one of the more aggressive sides in the division in terms of pressing, but since Ancelotti's come in, that's dropped. It seems that they are looking to sit a little bit more and, as you've just hit nail on the head there, that trying to uh, create chances fast in the final third. Yeah, I mean, a few of the changes that Ancelotti's made, uh, new formation, so mm. we've gone towards a 4-4-2. A um, few little alternative player roles. Um, I know Sigurdsson's been... Tried virtually all over the place yeah. except, except the bench. I know, yeah, I don't know why he keeps getting forced in the side. Um, it will be Walcott, Bernard on the flanks, plays like, you know, centrepiece sort of yeah. um, Dean Yeg, left back. Baines has played some minutes at left back as well, hasn't he? Played really well as well, actually. Yeah, hmm. and obviously the front two, which I think, I'm inclined to think he's, he's the type to identify his best players, isn't he? Yeah. And I think he's identified his front two as his best two players. Yeah. And allowed them to work in tandem, basically. Mm. Um, and yet yeah, the playing style's changed a little bit. Um, but I think that 4-4-2 four, four, that I've just mentioned, I do think that caused problems recently. Specifically against Chelsea. Yeah. Big defeat. Yeah. Uh, a little bit unexpected for me. Same. Actually, yeah. I, ex- I didn't expect... Everton to get a win there, but uh, I expected a competitive game. Not they might just lose out, and it was uh, it was a really really bad performance. Um, completely overran in the mid midfield. You know they had a, a, a four, four four two with a midfield two of uh, Gomez and Davis, which it'll be interesting to see if he plays that again because it was bad, and I think <laughs> you know bad, and I don't I think Liverpool's midfield three. Who normally are quite a conservative midfield three would destroy them, mm. um, but you, you destroy them in the sense of bullying them. Um, just play around, play quite around. Easy. Yeah, I think for for me, no dropping in the in that kind of gap between the midfield and the fence would be quite easy. The problem is, I suppose then you could make it a four. Mm, yeah, like, like a exactly, midfield yeah. diamond around them too, and it'd just be easy. But that's what a lot. What that funny you say that because that's what Chelsea were doing a fair bit against them. No, you yeah. had Gilmore kind of taking it from the defence and then you had people dropping like Mountain Barclays dropping in between the lines and Davis and Gomez are just really slow and laboured in the middle. You need you need kind of speed and dynamism in there, you know, closing, closing yeah. things down. Especially and, if you're in a two. Yeah, in a two, yeah. You need to be very mobile. In the modern game, you've also got, it's almost like that two have got to do the work of a three, isn't it? And yeah. they can't do it and that's why it was so bad. So. Yeah. I mean, one thing I picked up on with the the four four two was that obviously with it being a four four two, Everton had three very clear lines, very clear banks um, mm. that Chelsea consistently broke um, methodically almost. <clears throat> so a pass would be played to Gilmore, who I thought was great on the day. Yeah, um, he'd receive and break Everton's midfield bank with yeah. a pass to Barkley or Giroud, and then they would then feed Pedro would be running behind. Mm. I've actually wrote a piece on that this week that I'll be going out closer to the derby. 
but it's just on how Liverpool can basically break Everton's lines similarly because with all, rather than Gilmore we just we'd probably have Fabinho rather than um, Giroud would have Firmino hmm. and rather than Pezzo running behind we would have Mane and Salah yeah um, and that's obviously with Henderson and Juan Aldum just kind of drifting in between those two areas as well yeah but having said that and you thought you could very easily look at what went wrong and fix it because he's used a 4-4-2 against Liverpool several times mm. with Napoli yeah causes problems every time so be interesting one to see how it goes he did um, he did at 2-0 down he changed that to a diamond as yeah. well uh, but it did little to change anything really yeah um, I've got down here Pickford but we've already mentioned them really haven't we yeah just you know if, he's a problem I mean yeah would you, how, how, how much would you go down the route of shoot on site I would shoot on site yeah. I, I think yeah, yeah. Um, just you both keepers because Allison's not going to be back. Yeah, I'd, I'd be. Yeah, from a Liverpool point of view, in, in, just yeah, shoot on sight, anything on target, you've got half a chance. That's that's how it is at the moment. Um, and but then, as you've said on there, I wonder if Everton will be saying a similar thing because they're going to know Adrian's low on confidence. Yeah, both of them are. Yeah, both yeah. of them can't do anything, do they? Um. One last little thing, I do think it's going to be interesting if it is played behind closed doors. Because as you said earlier, I do think that would highly benefit Liverpool. Yeah. Obviously, I mean. I would. So, we've said on the show ages ago that Liverpool's two toughest league games away from home are United and Everton, haven't we? Because yeah. of the... Excluding City, it was. That yeah. was the question, that wasn't it? Yeah, it was excluding City. Uh, this is when we thought, obviously, it was going to be neck and neck with Liverpool and City. Um, because the emotional element to it and Goodison when it's when it's loud it can be a tough place to play I think that's why Liverpool's record isn't good there over the past few years um, but if you remove that home advantage you know you basically it, it's just 11 versus 11 in terms of quality and Liverpool's is so much better than Everton's at the moment that it should be a fairly comfortable win yeah yeah no I agree um, so verdict this is, probably, this is a tough one for you isn't it because uh... <laughs> little bit biased Natalie it's if, if well it, see I, I'll be honest I actually do think that without the, the the home advantage or the home fans it's it's really difficult for Evan um I'm actually, do two predictions then with and without the fans or okay yeah with I do fancy Evan to get something you know maybe a two all because I think both keepers are so unreliable but without yeah you're looking three one maybe Liverpool fairly fairly comfortable victory yeah I think I would go with the fans one all, mm. without the fans two nil Liverpool. Yeah. So do you, do you obviously think it's going to be quite comfortable as well if if there's no fans yeah. there? I do. I do feel as though a, a players playing in an empty stadium, I feel as though the quality players naturally will benefit from that. Yeah. Because there's fewer. Influences yeah. on the on the proceedings on the pitch mm. and, and a greater emphasis on your individual quality. Yeah, um, you got less things to cope with and things like that. There's certain players um, who seem to thrive in certain games and seem to thrive when they haven't got pressure on them and stuff like that. And this is probably the type of environment that those players would thrive in. Yeah, so mm. I think of some of them off the top of my head. <laughs> no, I, I can't, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, um, but we'll leave it there anyway. So thanks for tuning in. Um, thanks for joining us, Dave. Mm. And we will see if we if we if we are back next week because 
you know, you can't really, uh, can't really guess what's going to happen. No, it's an, uh, it's, it's like an, an un- unique, unprecedented type thing, isn't it? So we have no idea what's going to happen, but, um, yeah, thanks anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks for joining us. See you next week. Cheers. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.